are you ready to teach me today? I am indeed. Here we are at Teach Me Communism. <laughs> I'm the me. <laughs> <laughs> and you are the me, and we are all me oh, together. Oh, we are all me. I guess we can dive right into it today. Let's just do it. Uh, we're going to be learning about the country today known as the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Okay. I know pretty much nothing about it, so starting from square zero well we're not going to get into all of the all of the details you know every, a lot. every every little thing yeah um mainly the focus of our story is the assassination and the machinations behind that uh of one patrice lumumba so spoiler he's gonna die yeah when he's introduced you can go ahead and start you know thinking about how sad am I going to be when I see this guy die? You know, yeah, that can yeah. Be, that can color everything that you hear about him. <laughs> okay. Don't get too attached. Yeah. This kind of fits into our episode category of crimes of capitalism or crimes of imperialism. Uh, in that, another spoiler, the U.S. and you know, the West, <laughs> those powers are involved. And it's very much seen at the time and by historians afterward as part of this Cold War struggle. I mean, imagine my surprise. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into, like you said, square one, talk about a little bit of the background um, of the Congo and, and what happened there. Why did this Why did this take place there? All right, Congo was Belgian colony? Correct. Hey, I knew one thing. <laughs> yeah, Belgium kind of reluctantly colonized the congo how do you do that i really don't want to kill people but i guess i have to well this is actually not to kind of sympathize with them so their king king leopold ii was an asshole i mean he's a king yeah <laughs> so he was like guys we gotta you know we gotta colonize i got this neat little place picked out in you know this area here this river valley it'll be great in africa we'll just start conquering the this place and be kind of like all the other european nations cool and belgium was like no that sounds like it sucks <laughs> i really don't want to get into that it's a lot of work i don't want to do it no thanks so he said okay well they, you know the offer was not good enough i'm just gonna make it to where the offer is too good for them to turn down and you know if they already if they just are faced with an already existing colony that's already basically in their control uh, how are they gonna say no to that Okay. So his plan was as follows. He used, he set up these shell companies, the, the king of a, oh, of a, a nation. Always a good start. Always oh, a good start. <laughs> sets up these shell companies and a front organization called the International African Association. And he sets this okay. up and pretends like it's an international community sort of humanitarian altruistic sort of angle. He's like, let's all help out the Congo. You know, there's people there and we can help them and... So, so we're going to, you know, do some exploration there and like set up some like missionary colonies and be nice, you know, and that's, that's the role of our international organization. All these different groups who actually are secretly me, we're going to do that. And so he raises donations and he like gets elected to, you know, the board of this organization. He's like, <laughs> I'm only going to do this once and then y'all can elect somebody else. But then the next time they arrive at the board meeting or whatever, the board votes him in again and v dissolves itself. So it's literally cool. just him pretending to be a bunch of 
orgs. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's insane. Do they all like secretly have clues to him or something? Like all the companies <laughs> are like royal donation fund. Yeah. They're all anagrams <laughs> of Leopold. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh. So he uses this and, and just uses this to obtain as a private citizen the what becomes the Belgian Congo. Sorry, you can just get a country? He just was uh, buying up territory from the, uh, he sent land agents in and everything to buy up territory from the indigenous people there. Holy shit. And whatnot. And then was like, but this was the International African Association doing it, not him. (laughs) But then, you know, eventually the curtain was peeled back and he's just like, ha ha, it's me. It was me. (laughs) Oh my God. He just scammed his way into getting a country. Yes. Uh, He turns the whole thing into his own private rubber plantation uh, that he calls the Congo Free State. Once people realize, oh, this is, yeah. And yeah, it's very brutal. It's it's a plantation. Those are brutal. When reporters start finding out about, you know, what's going on there and how he has these rubber quotas and he's full on Christopher Columbusing, like chopping people's hands off if they don't meet the rubber quota sort of stuff. Jesus. Then, you know, when enough news reports go out of with with photographs of, you know, like people missing appendages and... Yeah. It gets pretty unpopular. Uh, what year are we looking at? It's 1908 when people have found out and put enough pressure on Belgium to say, hey. Hey, this is pretty fucked up. Yeah. And so the best solution they can have, of course, is not just turn it over to the people you took it from. Because they're Africans. Yeah, you can't just do that, right? Yeah. They're not <laughs> enlightened enough, I guess, to administer it. And so... Ugh. The, so Belgium did again did not want to de- get this colony, but was like, I mean, fine. I guess we, we have to we take have it, it now. <laughs> to, qu- to keep the king from being such an asshole, we have to take it over, annex it, and that this this becomes the Belgian Congo instead of the Congo wow. Free State. And so, but it's still like their colony. They're a little bit nicer. Low bar. Yeah, it's still super imperialist uh, in terms of economics. Uh, it's still very racist. They have like a civilizing mission Ooh. sort of ethos of enlightening the native people there. Not a great start. No, no, no. It's um, it's dominated by the Catholic Church. Uh, there's kind of unofficial segregation. It's They don't. Uh, what I mean by that is they don't spell it out in law like they do in South Africa apartheid. Uh, if you guys hear any interruptions, we have a dog. He's cute. His name is Dipper. He's very cute. Problem is, he's also dumb. and He's also very dumb. Uh, so yeah, if his sounds make it on the recording, I'll do my best to edit around. But if they do, you guys get a picture of a dog. So it could be worse. <laughs> Going back to the Belgian Congo, one of their concepts of, of or kind of like goals of that was this notion of the Trinité Coloniale, uh, the, the, the colonial trinity, which was state- missionary and private corporate interests these were like what dominated the priorities i guess of of the colony man these are like some of my top three least favorite things (laughs) right and and these were a lot of times intertwined especially state and, and corporate interests the state was oftentimes used to break strikes the overall kind of colonial policy was very paternalistic one of their governors had this catchphrase Dominer pour servir, uh, which is in better French than I can speak. Um, Dominion? Dominate to serve. 
Okay. Wow, that's real fash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, you know, what was going on there in the nicer let's not chop people's hands off version of it. Uh, you also had the very racist concept of the evolue or the evolved ones. Oh, dear. Uh, which was sort of this French and Belgian colonial mindset of assimilation. Uh, so, you know, amongst the native population who they were colonizing, they would say the, the evolved ones, the evolue was this class that was literate, that had assimilated to some degree, that held, you know, more white collar jobs, more educated, lived in urban areas. And they were seen kind of as this middle class, these kind of mediators between the Belgians and the like rest of the population. Gotcha. And this uh, class of people they were developing, you know, evolved ones aside. But the, this group of educated kind of intelligentsia sort of formed the core of what would become the Congolese independence movement. Oh, okay. Classic bourgeois independence movement. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of to get the ball rolling. After World War II, you have, you know, along with a lot of the anti-imperialist, you know, the nationalist and decolonization efforts around the world, Congo sort of follows the same route, uh, the sa that same vein, you know. Many groups pushing for independence in the Congo were ethnic nationalist groups. They were kind of pro-being one of the ethnic groups and against the Belgians and all the other ethnic groups. Oh, Okay. What other ethnic groups, I guess? Well, there are too many. Okay. <laughs> King Leo, when he puts all this together, doesn't give a damn about any of the ethnic groups, so he just kind of does a classic imperialism chomp, you know? Yeah, he just picks out a big chunk regardless of who actually lives there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay gotcha. So, like, here, I'll send you a, a, a pie chart of the ethnic groups. Show so me a pie. you can see what I'm talking about. Damn, that's a lot of ethnic groups. Yeah, that's a lot of ethnic groups. Um, so you get when you don't pay attention to the people when you're just taking over a place. Just carving up land. Yeah. Uh, and so you got all these different ethnic group-based kind of nationalist groups pushing for independence. And then beyond that, kind of either the rights of their own group within whatever this new country will be or their right to break away into their own nation once independence happens. That's kind of where people are at. And then in October 1958, you have the introduction of the Congolese National Movement, abbreviation-wise in French, that's the MNC. And it was founded by Joseph Ileo, uh, a democratic socialist named Cyril Adola, who turns out later not to be cool. <laughs> Don't get too excited. Uh, and See, he was kind of like a labor union kind of guy. Uh, and then you also have the Pan-Africanist and the star of our show, Patrice Lumumba. And interesting thing about this organization, uh, the Congolese National Movement, is that they weren't based on any particular ethnic group. It was for all Congolese uh, people. It called for a peaceful road to independence, gradual Africanization of the government. So like replacing leadership and general government positions replacing Belgians with Congolese people. Makes sense. Man, I don't like the gradual part, but okay. <laughs> also called for state-led economic development, an end to regionalism, and internationally, like diplomacy-wise, like neutrality. But, you know, those were its founders. The main leader was Patrice Lumumba. Overall, 
in kind of the late 50s, you see an increase in agitation for independence. You kind of have rival demonstrations with these different nationalist groups like, oh, go with us. No, go with us. We're cooler. You know, that sort of thing. And it's January 4th, 1959, that one of these nationalist groups, uh, the Abaco, which is like the Alliance of Bakongo, which is a nationalist group for the Congo people. Yeah, yeah. Like with a K. I saw that in the chart. Okay, yeah. So that's also a specific ethnic group there. This is led by a guy named Joseph Kasavubu. He'll be a character that we reference more than a few times. They wanted to hold a rally, but they were refused. The Belgian colonial government said, no, you cannot hold a rally. (laughs) And so they said, okay, well, fuck, uh, we can try to postpone it, I guess. But then they told enough people already about this rally happening that the masses kind of show up anyway. And then they, they refuse to be sent home by either the party or the police. They're like, no, fuck you. We're staying out here. We're de- demonstrating. They start throwing rocks at the cops. Hell yeah. And they're soon joined. The kind of amps this up is when tw- about 20,000 people leave a soccer game and see there's people out in the streets. So, oh, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's like the perfect crowd to join you, honestly. If you're yeah. looking for some rowdy lads, like <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah. So the hooligans join in. Uh, rioting ensues, they do some looting, some arson, they beat up some Catholic priests, and they start chanting independence immediately. Damn, okay. We're demanding it. Yeah. The cops, of course, mop up with the help of the army. Uh, Mm -hmm. Casualties are estimated around 500, maybe higher. Jesus. Jesus. But this is kind of a turning point because it forces Belgium to acknowledge, oh, shit, man, they're serious. Like this, you know, we need this to, isn't going away. Yeah, we need to act faster about this, about independence. Uh, and they kind of want, not, they're like, we don't want to pick a fight. Uh, January 13th, so you're looking at what, nine days later, they announce new local elections. They announce they're going to end racial distinctions in the civil service, like uh, capping people's promotion, and that the Congo would be granted independence in the future. The king said it like, you know, as quickly as is possible, but not like with, you know, unsafe haste or something along those lines. Mm, Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, still pretty quick turnaround there. Nine days. Yeah. And so January 20th, just a week after that, they hold the Belgio-Congolese roundtable conference to kind of set the terms for independence for Congo and the timetable they end up coming up with is sooner rather than later. They're like, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we're not actually going to wait that long. Right. And it kind of raises the question of like, why are they in such a hurry? What's the big deal? And from my analysis of it, it seems like, A, they're scared. They were scared by the the Leopoldville riots. That scared them into realizing like it was a, people were madder than they thought. Okay, gotcha. Uh, it also fits into the wider wave of decolonization in Africa. So Belgium probably perceived that there was, you know, a trend that was not really stoppable, that no other European power was really getting in the way of, for the most part. And little old Belgium was probably not going to be the one to reverse the tide of, <laughs> of decolonization <laughs> in Africa. They're like, okay, yeah, the, the train has left the station. Let's get on board. Yeah. Um, and to the extent that any European power was trying to resist that, France was having a fuck of a time of it 
trying to. Not in Africa, but in what they were calling Indochina in Vietnam. I Ooh, mean, yeah. uh, they had just been handed their asses by the Viet Minh, uh, by the communists at uh, Dien Bien Phu uh, in 1954. And just had to, they just had to give up, you know? So <laughs> that was, they, you know, uh, Belgium was like, we don't want to end up in that situation. Yeah. You know, mired down in a, in a counterinsurgency war. Uh, the French were also trying to fight the Algerian war and they're like Republic. Their, their whole country nearly fell apart into kind of a civil war situation. They instead switched from, I think the fourth Republic to the fifth Republic in 1958. It was like a constitutional crisis. They had to call out of retirement Charles de Gaulle to come in and be like a kind of right-wing strongman sort of figure to put things together because the government couldn't work because of the Algerian war. Oh, damn. Causing all these, yeah, causing all these political, like, just stalemate. It's it's pretty complicated stuff, but... They weren't in a good place. Right. And that was a colonial war. I mean, that was them trying to hold on to their empire, and it was not doing well. So all of this kind of convinces Belgium, hey, we want out and fast. Like, Yeah, like, we're best friends with France, or we're neighbors with France. We see what's going on there. That looks like trouble. Yeah. That's kind of what they're bringing to the table at the roundtable conference. The Congolese delegation includes Kasavubu, who we mentioned before, in the nationalist group, and Lumumba. And a lot of others. But these are kind of some of our stars of the show. Eventually, they agree. Initially, Kasavubu wanted immediate independence, but everybody's like, dude, we got it. We have some time to figure this out. Like, what are we <laughs> literally going to do? Can't walk out of here today with a brand new country. So <laughs> they set the date for June 30th, the next year. So June 30th, 1960, that's going to be election date uh, and the independence date. They're going to set up a like a political system. They do set up like the groundwork for that. They have like a president and a prime minister and a bicameral legislature. They get all that. This is what we're going to do. This is the election's going to be then. This is where we're going to have the independence, all that. They plan it basically, right? And so then next kind of important thing, you know, they do the campaigning and stuff like that and they have the election. And you essentially have all those nationalist parties all running separate, doing their own thing. And you have the um, the MNC, that's Lumumba's party. They end up winning a plurality in the election. To give you a sense of how many parties there are, their plurality, if you take like both chambers, total it all up, out of 221 total seats, they had 54. And that was enough to have a plurality. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I saw that pie chart and like half of it was just labeled other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, and like the other biggest one was like 7%. So yeah, I guess that doesn't surprise me. Like we got a real, real mixed up situation. Yeah. And this part of the story, I kind of gloss over a little bit because it's super divided and there's lots and lots of back and forth parliamentary horse trading kind of thing of who's going to support whom forming a coalition. Very boring. But eventually Lumumba is able to put together a very fractious coalition that will support him as prime minister and kind of in this coalition sort of sense with Kasavubu as the president, sort of a divided power yeah, yeah. situation. But I mean, they are still both broadly like nationalist or like we want to be, you know, anti-Belgian, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically on the same team. But then like when you get to the details of what do you want to do as a country, that's where you get real different. That's kind of the, 
the weak point, I think, of Congo starting out is it's so fractious in terms of all these different uh, interest groups. Not really. So sometimes they had very different interests in terms of like a region, like, oh, this region is very mining heavy, wants to do this and versus agriculture or whatever. But it does seem like there's way more room for a common ground, a common program that would like if you took, I think this is part of Lumumba's strength and his party's strength is that they were able to take these different aspects of different, different groups of the Congo, what would work for them and say, okay, well, but in the bigger picture, if that, if we could make that work for you, like mining, for example, uh, and develop that in your region, we could like use that as building the whole country also. Right. And doesn't really help you guys directly, but if we were helping like the agricultural sector and stuff more, we could get more of that cheap stuff to you, like, you know, tie it all together and, and develop as a country. But if uh, a lot of these groups, I think were too narrowly focused mm, okay. to sign on to that sort of a national or federalist program of like, like kind of central, like let's run it through here and let's, you know, have like a, sharing the resources and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have a coordinated national economic plan that, you know, yeah, sure. We have to divert some resource to this, but it's going to benefit all of us because of this, you know? So anyway, that's one of the big fights I think that Lumumba faced. You have all these disputes between the parties, even within his coalition, uh, you quickly see calls from some of these nationalist groups calls for secession. Whoa. Yeah, they're already like, you know what? This sucks. We didn't get, I didn't get in the cabinet. My friends didn't get in the cabinet. We should just break away. It's been how long? Uh, like a month? <laughs> yeah, they're in the first like days, the first little bit. They're like, I didn't like this actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, no one's saying like, let's go back to the Belgians, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still. When Lumumba wins and kind of forms his coalition, this almost immediately devolves into what is called the Congo crisis, which sucks. I mean, like you barely get the chance to even be a leader. Congo is like two days old and it's in crisis. Yeah. That's not, that's not a great start. Not good. Uh, so do you know what Patrice Lumumba looks like, by the way? I know. No, show me a picture. I haven't set up the story real well, I guess. What is the new, you know, hot or not? Like mm. fire or not like slay or how do you do it? You know now. I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's Riz, obviously. Riz there's, or Diz? There's Drip. Uh. Yeah. Let's just see. Let's just see. I mean, we can just stick with the classic hot or not. All right. My gut reaction. <laughs> He's kind of a nerd. Nerd. Uh, which isn't a bad thing, but I don't think classically hot because we're working with some real. These are almost cat eye glasses. Which okay. Is, so he has some non cat eye. Okay. Okay. Too, and he cleans yeah, the, up the well, cat eyes with the bow tie is kind of a lot. Let me see. Okay. This other picture is way better. Yeah. He's got some good looks, I think. But then sometimes yeah, yeah. he dorks it up, you know? Yeah. That first one was pretty dorky. The, the very first pick on the Wikipedia for reference, pretty dorky. Uh, but yeah, he's got some cooler ones. Like I think when he gets his hair kind of trimmed, like he looks, he looks hot in that other one, that, that leader of the MNC section. He looks pretty good. Oh, in the, um, with the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Those glasses work much better on him. Yeah. Face shape. You know, he needed to, well, I don't want to get any more spoilies, so I don't want to scroll. 
All right. Throw it down. <laughs> later. Uh, <laughs> I know how death. it ends, but I don't want to know what happens in the middle yet. We'll get into that later. <laughs> he had a disastrously slow start in that pretty much most stuff that he was trying to do could not get done through the parliament. Example, the army was pretty much all expecting promotions. Um, they were expecting him to desegregate the army. Um, in terms of like the old system was that Congolese people could only raise to a certain rank. And then they were cut off. So he's like, well, they were like, come on, he's got to get rid of that. They didn't get rid of that. He's going to give us pay raises. He didn't give him pay raises. He couldn't get anything done. What the parliament was busy doing, it took its first action in voting to raise its own pay. Okay. And Lumumba's like, are you serious? Like, we're going to run up a debt to, to pay you motherfuckers? Like, yeah, fuck off. He was like, that's bullshit. He, he kind of condemns that, but it's kind of awkward because it's his own coalition doing it. Oops. Yeah, not a great start and not sort of the guys you really want to piss off on day one, the army. <laughs> kind of important, I think, for solidifying power. Yeah, so you had the June 30th, like, date of independence elections and all that sort of stuff. So keep that in mind. July 5th, we're not that far into this project. It's been like a week. <laughs> uh, the general of the force publique. Uh, this is inherited from the Belgian Congo. It's called like the gendarme or it's like a mm, yeah. army plus police situation. Anyway, the general of that, a guy named Emil Johnson's, his nickname that he gave himself uh, is the little maniac. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, self-awareness is an important trait. So he was like, you know, a short king, a self-declared mm -hmm. short king. And he knew this about himself. He's like, listen, <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm about and I know what I'm like. I know the energy I'm giving, you know? Yeah. It's giving little maniac. <laughs> Except he's like, I'm giving. No one ever says that. I'm giving. Whatever. Yeah, no one does that. <laughs> but that was a meal for you. Um, he was the head of the force public and he was kind of an asshole. And he calls this big meeting, like all his troops in the capital he's like come on come on gather around the blackboard i guess i mean i guess they had these blackboards in the army base it's all the stories describe it as he goes up there on this blackboard and basically provokes his troops who are already pissed that they're not getting paid anymore mm -hmm. and they're kind of talking shit they're like man we don't have to listen to belgians we're independent now we don't have to do any of this shit and he gets up there and on the blackboard big letters he writes before independence equals after independence and he gives them a big speech saying you know what nothing's changed it's the same as it was before and the same motherfuckers are in charge it's me get used to it little maniac here to stay cope damn okay it's received about as well as you would imagine <laughs> telling people fuck your independence you still have to listen to me uh and be happy with, you know, having only white officers and everything else. Uh, the troops mutiny. He just provokes them into mutiny. This is just a bad idea. It's like so bad that people speculate like, oh, was he like trying to provoke a crisis to you know, mm. tear the country apart? There's not really evidence of that. I like to imagine that he is just that stupid that he just. <laughs> He's called the little maniac. <laughs> yeah. What do you expect the little <laughs> maniac to do? Like, he told you what he was going to do right at the beginning. <laughs> right. Like, it, that's sort of on Lumumba to get rid of him day one. Little maniac's got to go. 
I'm just picturing like he picks up his file folder like, what about this guy? Do we want to keep him? <laughs> I don't think so. Everyone's just kind of like shaking their heads. Just, mm. <laughs> uh, there, but then it's like, it came down to, he's like, yeah, we, we got to, do got to get rid of him. Who's going to go tell him? <laughs> Everyone's like, no. <laughs> oh, that's totally what it was. They just get like moving that meeting just next week, yeah, next week, this next can week. wait like <laughs> a week, right? Yeah. No. I, we just got independent. Surely the little maniac can just like hang out for a week. Maybe we send them on vacation or something. <laughs> he's like, I'm little maniac. I do not go on vacation. <laughs> no time. Only time for mania. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, he had time for provoking mutinies. Yeah, there's always time for mutiny. <laughs> yeah, this is what kicks off the Congo crisis. Because, I mean, your your, your army is mutinying. That's pretty bad. That, yeah, not a great start. Lumumba responds by sacking Jansen's, you know, goodbye little maniac. Uh, and he promotes all Congolese soldiers in the army by one rank. Uh, but... That fails to quell the mutiny. Yeah, he does some more things to try to get a handle on things. One of the things is a rebrand, which to me doesn't sound that impressive. I would put that at the top of the list of of things to try. But, you know, I mean, maybe I would because I'm a designer. But I think other smarter people in the room would be like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, but that's just a simple name change from Force Publique to the National Congolese Army. But in French, okay. you know. When, the Africanization of the army, more substance and fear. Uh, there we go. Replacing all European officers with Africans, uh, keeping a few of them like kind of sort of what the Red Army does of like, yeah, I know you were a czarist officer, but you fucking know your shit. So you're going to be like an advisor sort of thing. So keeping some of the, but like, you know, rank wise, replacing them with Africans. Uh, and then leadership wise, replacing the army chief of staff um, with a guy named Joseph Mobutu. All right. What's this guy's deal? Mobutu is interesting, even at the time. Joseph Desiree Mobutu. And the reason I say he was interesting, even at the time, is that the Wikipedia article straight up says he appointed this guy and some other dude, despite the other dude's lack of experience. And despite Mobutu's rumored ties to Belgian and U.S. intelligence. Okay, what? Why in all the hells was this guy anywhere near anything? Why, why was he in the, the stack of names? In the, like, in the country. Like, get her yeah. in. Oh, my gosh. Like, he's so bad. A, okay. <laughs> A, he's disloyal enough to have these connections. But B, he's so bad at these clandestine connections that people are openly people talking about. about it. Yeah, that's not great. Like, he's, he's inept and bad. <laughs> don't. <laughs> I don't know. That was, to me, just kind of a little glaring, like, Bad choice, bro. Usually my strikes are more moral in nature, but this is a strike on execution. Yeah. Just come on. Fumbled the bag. All right. So trying to quell, trying to get a handle on things, trying to appease the military. Hey, we got you a new leader. He's a little bit involved in some stuff, but he's a new leader. You know, we got, we, we got more Congolese people in officer positions. We have a cool new name. Maybe something will help, but this doesn't actually put the lid on anything either. And so, very shortly thereafter, Belgium says, we're back, baby. Oh, no. Guys, It's it's been how long? Well, by this point, it's July 10th. <laughs> it's been like two weeks. And they send in 6,000 troops 
To protect their citizens from violence, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, America will go and send in the Marines to protect uh, American property and lives and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing here. And the Belgians show up. And Lumumba, he's he's kind of like at first, ah, this fucking sucks. But he ends up allowing it. So he basically tells him, like, stay on task. Don't do other shit. Uh, obey my army when we tell you to do shit. And as soon as this craziness is over, get the hell out. Well, the craziness does not just go away. So they just, they're they're there for a long time. Pretty shortly thereafter, they evacuate Belgian citizens from the port city of Matadi and then use their navy to bombard it. Fuck. Killing 19 Congolese civilians, pissing everybody off because they're just blowing up cities now. Yeah, that's not okay. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's so bad that one of those provinces that had been talking earlier about, hey, what if we like break away because we don't like you being in charge of us, a different ethnic group? Uh, they say, yeah, let's do that. So Congo's southern province of Katanga declares independence. It secedes from the Congo. Kind of fair. Kind of fair given the Belgian angle, right? Yeah, like, okay, we're not going back to that. No fucking way. Well, sort of fucking way. Uh-oh. So these guys, I kind of agree, like I could get having that sort of a sentiment, but these guys were not coming for the right place. Their self-declared president, Moisa Toshombe, accused Lumumba of being a secret communist wannabe <laughs> dictator. <laughs> All right. What do we got? Any any secret communism that we haven't just, we just haven't gotten to yet? I was curious. I mean, he, he's on the show. He's Is on he the communist? show. That's not a good sign. <laughs> Of not being a communist is... I mean, that is subject. a good sign of being a communist. I oh, guess, being on the show. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So, Toshombe's like, look, in the future, he is the subject of an episode of <laughs> Teach Me Communism. He's got to be a communist. <laughs> I've received this weird <laughs> device from the future and something called Spotify. And <laughs> it was open to this weird foretelling of our country. His evidence at the time is no, just, he's just like, no, he works with socialists. You know, they were, there was kind of a socialist, a small socialist party that was part of his coalition. He works with socialists. He wants to be neutral. That means he's not pro-West. He's anti-colonialist. Mm. So he's kind of like with all these other lefty <laughs> movements, you know, pan-Africanist <laughs> movements and things like uh-huh. that. He doesn't want to listen to me and, and our separatist party and let us do whatever he wants. So he's a dictator, you know, and he's just trying to be like Stalin and everything else. Cool. So he says, we are seceding from the chaos, was his kind of announcement quote. That's a brave little plucky mineral rich region just breaking away like that, you know, with only with only the clothes on their back and a $259 million advance from the local Belgian mining corporation. There it is. Okay. Okay. It's all coming together. <laughs> yeah. You may think that's a hefty investment to make, but they were happy to do so given that they feared that Lumumba might try to do something like nationalizing their assets. So they say, here, here's a a measly $259 million. Go ahead and do your little independence thing. We'll back you up. Katanga also got military assistance from Belgium uh, who sent military officers to recruit and train an army basically from scratch. Uh, for this fledgling nation. And also they got 
very good-hearted, kind, and upstanding mercenaries from apartheid South Africa. Mm, okay, there we go. <laughs> um, so just like the best sorts of people coming to help them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not at all any red flags there. I, totally normal independence movement. Yeah. So that happens. And Lumumba's <laughs> like, well, fuck, okay. Um, he appeals to the UN. He just kind of raises his hand. Hey. Hey, uh, this is pretty <laughs> fucked up, I think. My country is being invaded by my former colonizer and <laughs> by, and they're also helping these guys break away. This sucks. <laughs> Any thoughts here? <laughs> yeah. Can you please? Any tips? Yeah. Can you please like send? Okay. So in those days you could say, UN, can you send like a peacekeeping force to come in and fucking set shit right? Because things are popping off right now. And literally you're asking for like soldiers to come in and occupy areas and like do battles and shit. Theoretically stop bad things from happening. That's, you know, um, a big chunk of say the Korean war you know, was fought. Uh, they, they had, they actually had UN peacekeeping forces. In addition, you also had the U S just doing, you know, yeah, yeah, let's see if thing. we can do it, you know, wipe out communist countries and shit. But you also had UN forces there, like literally in firefights, which you don't see as often really anymore. Sometimes they're involved s- still in kind of, counterinsurgency sort of things slash neo-colonialist type of things. They're still involved in some mess, but just not as much as what I, what I mean. Like for most, I think listeners impressions, you don't get the, when you think the UN, you're not thinking about their peacekeeping forces most time. Don't they have like blue helmets? Yeah. They have the bright blue (laughs) helmets. Yeah. Yeah. Very camouflage effective. Yeah. Please. Here I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he asked the UN help out and it's actually pretty quick. That was July 11th that the secession happens. July 14th, UN Security Council Resolution 143 calls on Belgium to remove its troops from Congo and for the UN to send in a peacekeeping force for the Congo to use to protect its territory. So kind of pretty quickly, they're like, yeah, okay. Okay. When they get there, Lamont was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I need some help. This territory has seceded from the country that's not good that's bad Mm -hmm. they just are tearing the country apart trying to go to civil war you should go stop them they're like hold on actually no we can't do that like we're not we're not here to do that okay we'll help you like protect your territory and stuff we don't want people to invade you or belgium to like start taking back over but you got a civil war situation that's like your own thing that's not us okay okay so they're just there to not let Belgium take over, but not to do anything else. Right, basically. Okay. And Lumumba's like, seriously? That sucks. I thought you all yeah, were going to do more. that's pretty than weak. That. So, gets on the phone, or in this case, actually, the telegram, um, to the Soviet Union. Ooh, okay. Calling in the big guns. Talks to Khrushchev and says, hey, you should keep an eye on things down here, man. Like, these imperialists are up to some bullshit. Obviously, when people find out, this is... Oh, look, mm-hmm. he's, here he is, cozying up to the Soviets. We said all along. Look who he's running to. Yeah, he was a Soviet agent, blah, 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 you know. He doesn't, at that time, end up really get, getting much in the way of aid, but it, he'll he'll eventually get stuff. But he first starts kind of opening up to this idea of maybe getting Soviet aid. We haven't talked about it. Mm-hmm. What's this guy's deal? I mean, is it just that he's associated with some socialists? Was it just that he like didn't have anywhere else to turn? Is he a secret communist in his little heart? I don't think he was a communist. 
Okay. So from what I'm understanding of him, he was broadly speaking progressive. He did have kind of an internationalist view in that he did want to, he was interested in like the ideas of Kwame Nkrumah and did like actually talk to him, you know, later and kind of talk about, oh yeah, maybe we should have like a union of African states and stuff. He described, you know, communism as something that he opposed in the same way that he opposed um, imperialism and colonialism. So he, you know, was lame in that sense. Yeah, did not like it. So, I mean, I I feel like he's like a a progressive sort of liberal in that sort of idea. Maybe like a a sock dem at best. That's kind of where I would put him. He, He was mostly trying to be pragmatic with this sort of liberal progressive sort of bent to him like that was what he most wanted was kind of just trying to keep the fucking place running it sounds like well keep the place running but also sort of adhere to these sort of liberal democratic ideals i think like of oh let's have these you know freedoms and and sort of thing i I think that's that's an aspect of it later i think you're right that his priority is keeping things together keeping independent and you know being able to grow the country eventually He's basically besieged on all sides before he can do any of that. <laughs> but no, I, I think socialism-wise, he's not really there. He's not like opposed to it, and I think if it ends up being the best road out, he's going to do it. Anyway, uh, July 22nd, he takes off on a trip to New York City to go to the UN directly. Takes him a couple of days to get there. They have to, you know, stop over in London and somewhere en route. But they get there, they meet with the... UN Secretary General, a guy named Dag Hammerskjöld. Sick name. Yeah. That's like a dwarf name. <laughs> he was Swedish. So he meets with him. He meets with the U.S. Secretary of State. He's uh, they, they, Him and the UN Secretary General, they kind of have like a, a nice talk, but nothing really gets done. Meets with the U.S. Secretary of State. And he's like, nah, bro. We will give you help only through the United Nations. We ain't giving you directly shit. It's only going through the UN. Same deal in Canada. Goes up to Ottawa, meets with them. And there's like, nah, man, we're just like the Americans. If you want anything from us through the UN only. Wow. He's like, okay, fuck. I'm up here. You know, there's no rule against it up here in Canada. So I'm going to meet with the Soviet ambassador. And... Of course, everybody says, oh, what a communist, blah, blah, blah. However, he does get out of these meetings uh, with the Soviets. They end up sending aid. He gets for the Congo weapons, trucks, aircraft, about a thousand military advisors from the Soviet Union. They help out. Damn, okay. So he does not leave empty handed from that trip. Hell yeah. That's only thanks to the Soviets. You know, no, everybody else was showing him the door, basically. Except for Dag. Dag was you know, the, the, the Swede. He was, uh, he's an interesting character in this too, because he's always trying to thread this middle line and kind of failing throughout. He's really trying not to piss anybody off, but everyone's constantly yelling at him, it seems like. <laughs> oh, poor Dag. Yeah. And it's just, he's not very consistent. Sometimes he's like, oh, let's use the UN peacekeeping force. And sometimes he's like, no, we can't, even though it's like just letting things happen. He's, he's rough. Okay. Not the hero. Yeah, I mean, I do think he's trying. I don't think it works for him. He did his best. (laughs) Lumumba goes on this big trip, finally gets some help from the Soviets. On August 2nd, he takes the show further on the road. Rather than go back home, everything's kind of annoying and and his country's crumbling. And (laughs) 
He's like, it's kind of nice to be away from all that. Yeah. So he takes the next leg of his world tour, the African leg of it. August 2nd through 8th, he tours Tunisia, Morocco, Guinea, Ghana, Liberia, and Togoland. Just goes goes traveling. Okay. Goes and meets the, you know, heads of state there and everything and enjoys some state dinners and stuff, you know. You'd think you'd want to get home. You kind of got a lot to do. So I don't think it would have been my move. Now, he was not 100% vacationing. Uh, he does. He is trying to basically gin up a separate form of military support, something independent of the UN and the West uh, and the Soviet Union, for that matter. Uh, and he does manage to get commitments from both Guinea and Ghana, uh, who pledge military support. Uh, Ghana led at the time by Kwame Nkrumah. Oh, yeah. And uh, Guinea at the time led by Ahmed Sekou Toure, uh, who was also kind of a left figure, like a kind of a left nationalist figure. So it gets, you know, pledges from them. Yeah, man, we got your back. He also signed a secret agreement with Ghana to, in the future, uh, have like a conference to talk about forming the Union of African States that we were talking about oh, pan-Africanist yeah. idea. So sort of a federal Republican government of African States sometime in the future. Like you, they were like, yeah, we're on board. That sounds dope. Like, let's do that. So, you know, he doesn't come out, come away from this empty handed and he's not just, you know, fucking jet skiing or something <laughs> like he's getting some work done. Okay. Okay. Right. So he comes back eventually he's like, yeah, okay. I guess I got to go back. And he, he comes back to a mess, man. August 9th is when he comes back. And it's that day that a part of the Kasai province, just north of Katanga, the ones that broke away. Uh-huh. Well, this part breaks away, too. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Who was their sponsor? Well, okay. They break away and they declare themselves. They actually have two names when they make their declaration. One is the autonomous state of, of Kasai. And one is <clears throat> the mining state of South Kasai. Oh, my God. Okay. So really just saying the quiet part out loud there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we don't want to give you any mining shit. So goodbye. I'm taking my toys and going home. Yeah. Yeah. Taking my my uh, diamond mines and going home. <laughs> Jesus. So just like uh, Belgium supported Katanga, they support the South Kasai mining state. Of course. Uh, and just like they had the support of a Belgian mining company there. Same thing here. Um, Forminier is a, a, a diamond mining company that got lucrative concessions from the new fledgling state of South Kasai. Oh, you can have all our diamond mines and run it as a private corporation, basically, mm -hmm. in exchange for, you know, funding in the, in the near term. Cool. So if you're looking at, you know, rich provinces breaking away, both this and Katanga, if you add those up, uh, Congo had lost with these two territories some 40% of its revenues. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. Not a great thing to come back to. No. Shit. Okay. You come back, you're like, fuck. Okay, I lost another chunk of the country. Uh, Lumumba declares a state of emergency. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, cracks down and says, you know what? We got too many people conspiring, too many fake friends, and too many people talking shit. So... He cracks down in terms of people's, you know, what we call freedom of assembly, basically, you know, being able to meet in, in public and shit like that. Uh, freedom of the press also like shuts down, you know, criticism, 
things are like people openly saying, let's do a coup on the government sort of stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, this causes kind of an international criticism, especially Western liberals sort of whining Especially because he just met with the Soviets, too. And they're like, look who got some broad ideas. Oh, yeah. he The comrades told him how to run his country. <laughs> Yeah, those sorts of accusations, just saying like, oh, he's becoming a dictator, you know, when speculating, you know, oh, he's paranoid, everything. But like, he does have some reasons to be doing that. Uh, Some shit is going down. He's not doing this for fun. Like, at the time that he is um, doing that, like, Belgian intelligence is straight up, like, infiltrating his administration. Uh, Oh, my God. His cab, the, the chief of his cabinet guy named Damien Candolo, uh, was a spy for Belgium. <laughs> oh, my God. So he it's inside the house. Yeah, yeah. It gets worse. August 18th, the CIA, friends of the show, here they come. Oh, here, here they are. I was wondering. We're like an hour in. Where's where's my boys? <laughs> Old Alan Dulles had him out on the golf course again. You know. <laughs> they finally made it back. They were on vacation, too. <laughs> uh August 18th, they established Project Wizard. Okay, that sounds like they're just playing D&D <laughs> on their breaks. Yeah. They're just like staking out of an actual assignment, but they're like, hey, while we're here. Yeah. <laughs> I roll a D20. I roll a 10. You miss. You suck. Uh, so Project Wizard, a covert action program that funneled hundreds of thousands of dollars in military equipment to key Congolese leaders who would go on to take down and assassinate Lumumba later on. Spoiler alert. Shit. The plans and payments of this were approved by, like, the highest of the high-ups. Approved of by President Eisenhower's National Security Council. So this is, like, top-level top, top level guys. Or, like, it's, it's actually unclear in the record if it was all of them or if it was just a subset called the Special Group, which is just kind of like, kind of, you can think of, like, the skeleton crew of those guys, just just the just the real baddies, you know. Yeah. Top level seal of approval here, and you know what these guys were up to, funneling all this money. Uh, what <laughs> they were mining? Uh, not not so much mining actually, because the Belgian companies were kind of taking care of that end. For but out of the out of the CIA's end was basically buying off anybody in the government around Lumumba. Okay. So. Remember Kasavubu from earlier, the president? He was on their payroll. <laughs> Shit. Mobutu, the guy who everyone was already talking about how he was in their pocket. Yeah, of course mm-hmm. he's getting a cut of it. Yeah. Uh, the foreign minister, a guy named Bomboko, Justin Bomboko, I think. Uh, one of the finance aides, Nandele, the president of the Senate, Ileo, and the earlier, the Sokdem guy, Adula, the labor leader, they also bought him off. Jesus. Okay. Like, is there anyone here who's not <laughs> right. being paid by the CIA? Like, let's all raise our hands. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So they were just throwing that money around, uh, buying all these guys off, getting basically, they're all spies for the CIA at that point, basically just informants. Do you think they you know? all knew or like, was it really awkward? Like you, you be with someone in the elevator, like, so how's it go? You know, like you're trying to feel people out. Like, Oh, yeah. Met a cool guy named Fred the other day. Uh, do you know him? <laughs> no, this was back when I think the CIA was still run by fairly hard-boiled people. Like, 
I mean, yeah, they were, you know, alcoholics or whatever, but they were functional, you know, and they could, they, they kept together like in, in this kind of workaholic sort of sense. Whereas I think now there's too many kind of former, too many, like too much too many bl- email jobs. Yeah. There's a lot of email jobs, like lanyard type stuff, but there's also like in terms of the action part, too many former operators from like the seals and stuff with like meathead ah, type. Okay. I, okay. I don't know. It's, it's from what I understand of it, it's, it's messed up and, and, and just more inept nowadays than it used to be. So I feel like they would have compartmentalized this well enough to, to where everyone, everyone who did not need to be in on someone else being, you know, <laughs> on the take didn't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. They were still competent enough to do that. Yeah. In theory. In theory. Yeah. I mean, you know, get the actual firsthand account. You might see a different story. <laughs> so anyway, CIA says, let's here, let's get in this shit with a whole bunch of money to anybody who will take it. Lumumba's back. He's cracking down because everybody's a spy. <laughs> he orders the <laughs> army. You know, now they're a little bit beefed up. They've got some Soviet aid. He's like, let's go crush that rebellion in South Kasai. That mining state, that's bullshit. That should be ours. Or let's get rid of these guys. And they, so they do succeed in initially militarily in kind of taking some, some territory and, and weakening these guys a lot. The problem is that in doing so, the troops that he orders in to go take over uh, by this point are, I mean, given the leadership woes they've been having and the turnovers and the initial mutiny that started the whole thing, they're pretty tumultuous and they end up essentially flying off the handle and doing ethnic violence. Oh, fuck. Uh, down there. And, and it's returned. I mean, it is a back and forth of just atrocities. But um, one side is the official, like, it got trained for longer than the other side army, uh, bigger army. And s- s- so while there are atrocities either way, 3,000 civilians end up killed. Uh, and yeah, that's bad. Um, Not a good look. And so that that blows back on Lumumba. Badly. I mean, he was not saying go in there and ethnically clans my dudes, but like, that's what happens. Shit. Okay. And so that's going to come back and bite him. Like people are going to, in the region, they're going to hold that against him and say anyone in in that nationalist group who's like of the Luba people there uh, would, would say like, fuck you. You kill yeah, people. Yeah, you're into that nasty shit. Yeah. Despite, you know, being of the, the party that was like explicitly not for that shit. <laughs> that was like, hey, I think maybe we should work together. Yeah. August 25th through August 31st, uh, Lumumba hosts a conference of African leaders uh, to try to sign some more people up to, to give military support. He's like, come on, guys, you can see what's going on here. It's <laughs> not great. Could you help? Not a good look. <laughs> and he, pretty much he gets he gets a cold shoulder. Everyone's just like, nah, no, thanks. Get no new offers. And so, again, he requests from the UN, hey, uh, can you guys actually really step in to help and, like, help me put down this awful rebellion and, and get things going a little more stable? If not, maybe I have to call up my friends in the Soviet Union. I mean, I can't blame them. They're the ones who've, like, done anything helpful. Yeah, it makes sense. It's, it is a little bit of a stretch of a threat to say, oh, well, we're going to bring in Soviet troops, you know, if you refuse, because that had not been promised. So he's not just like, I'm going to go talk to him. He's like, oh, I'm going to bring in Soviet troops. And it's like, I don't know, if I were the Soviets, I'd be like, what? 
<laughs> so we did not say we were doing that, but okay. Way to make us sound like big scary bullies. Yeah, like okay, yeah. All right. Uh we have to. The UN does refuse his offer here or his offer, his kind of like <laughs> threat. Yeah. They're just like, no, we're not we're still not sending you troops. Go ahead and call him. You know, call my mama. And uh the the one the criticism I would offer here is that you read the same papers everyone else does. You see people calling you a communist. You know that the Western powers are constantly using that to kind of like justify whatever they do against you. I don't know. It just does seem kind of like you're playing into their hands. But I do understand like that is kind of has been your only ally. So if they're already going to call you that, like, why not go with it? I feel the same way. Like, I get it. <laughs> like, it, it's an awkward move, but I think he's out of moves otherwise. Well, it does turn out that he's basically he's out of moves. Um, September first the cia sends out some of that money to casa vubu the president and it's in september at some point i actually don't have the date for this one in my sources but the cia puts together a plot or a series of plots it ends up being but they decide eisenhower essentially orders it there's different reports of like if he just says let's assassinate this guy or if he says, I would rather this guy be dead, and the CIA says, gotcha, <laughs> Just takes got it and it, runs sir. with it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to say it twice. <laughs> but in any case, they put together an assassination program, uh, and they put, as one of their as one of the chief architects of it, one of their chemists, a guy named Sidney Gottlieb. Uh, ain't that a Nazi? I don't think so. I don't okay, know. the name sounds familiar. Maybe I'm Maybe imagining things. Gottlieb. <laughs> Let's play. Is it a Nazi? Nah, he was born in the Bronx. Okay, never mind. Sorry. We can cut this. Well, he's a shitbag. I mean, you can say whatever you want about Sidney <laughs> Gottlieb. He wasn't technically a Nazi, but... Still bad. Yeah, he was the guy that would go on to head up their MK Ultra program. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's uh, probably where I heard the name then, because fuck that guy. Yeah, doing like secret experiments on people recruiting psychiatrists and shit to like run experiments on people in their practices regular and stuff. ass people yeah yeah okay fuck this guy awful human anyway he was a chemist for the cia and they had him develop and they had him send over this vial of poison uh to the cia station chief larry devlin who was in the congo like he was the I guess the CIA's guy there, right? Sets over this vial of poison. They're going to find a way to administer it to Lumumba. Uh, like on the initial running plot was going to be on his toothbrush, toothpaste, toothbrush, you know. Okay. Brushing his teeth, poison, brush, oh, die. <laughs> Moms don't like this tale of death. <laughs> They're like, oh, shit. Yeah. No, no, he never brushes. Um, <laughs> well, the agent he was going to get to do that could not do it it does not elaborate as to why he was unavailable the backup guy (laughs) that they had you know substitute second string cia assassination agent refused he was like nah man oh wow so i don't know what his deal was if he was just like i didn't sign up for this shit or well mumba's conscience yeah uh, Sidney Gottlieb like dropped him some acid on accident and he was like, we're all <laughs> one. I can't kill him. Today. You know? <laughs> uh, but anyway, the plot never materializes because of that, but it was in the works and it was like literally moving. 
September 5th, whether he was moved by the atrocities in South Kasai or by Lumumba's alleged communist sympathies. I mean, maybe, maybe he could have been moved by his recent payday. Uh, President Kasavubu decides, you know what? I'm done with Lumumba. And he dismisses him. <gasps> okay. So, so a weird, it's, you know, weird constitutional shit, right? Um, but he's just like, Lumumba, no longer prime minister. Six of his ministers, they're no longer ministers. Uh, and he does this in the modern day. He would have done this uh, via tweet. Uh, back then, he did it over a radio announcement. So to me, that's like equivalent. <laughs> yeah, that, that is basically old timey tweets. <laughs> yeah, he tweeted, Lumumba, see your ass later. And <laughs> there's this back and forth because Lumumba says, no, you can't do that. I don't step down. In fact, you know what? You can't do that. That's unconstitutional. So therefore, you're <gasps> deposed. Okay. We got dueling. Plays the Uno reverse card. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that is September 5th. September 7th, Parliament listens to both of them, kind of both of their sides, their supporters and them giving speeches. And they're like, you know what? Neither one of your dismissals holds. <laughs> Neither <laughs> you can't fire him. He can't fire you. This is a real like go back to your room situation <laughs> of like work this out between yourselves. Yeah, this is not. <laughs> yeah, why did you call us into this? Uh, <laughs> and however, they do six days later, they do vote to grant Lumumba emergency powers. Um, it's a little controversial because they don't have enough people to, you know, like a quorum or whatever. But they do it. They just vote for it. They're like, whatever. We don't need that. And it's at this point that our a character we set up before, Mobutu, steps in. So this is the army chief of staff. Oh, little maniac. No, no, no. That guy's long Fuck. gone. That's the, Never mind. That's the Belgian guy. Mobutu okay, okay. was the new army chief of staff who we were like, why appoint him? He was oh, rumored yeah. to be with Belgian intelligence and the CIA. Okay. This is good. This is great. <laughs> So, yeah, the CIA has been paying him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he steps in, he decides, I'm going to break through all this bullshit with Parliament and everything else. He's going to give a tweet of his own via radio. Uh, he says, we're doing a peaceful revolution. Okay. Both sides, the governments you've put together, Lumumba, you want to be in charge still with your government. Kasavubu, you want to be in charge with a new government that you appoint. Yeah, neither of those are happening. Both of you are suspended until the end of the year. Okay, so it really just steps in to try to play principal here. Yeah. He says, in their place, we're going to have technicians run the government. And what he ends up meaning by this is something called the College of Commissioners General, uh, which is a fancy term for a panel of university graduates who just so happens to be financed by Project Wizard. There we go. Okay, okay. Sending nerds to school to take over countries. Yeah. Wow. Normal. Yeah, it'll be headed by CIA stooge Justin Bocombo, who we mentioned before. Uh, its vice president will be also another paid-off CIA stooge, Nadele. It's bought and paid for. It's funded itself. <laughs> you know, by, like people are just getting money from that. Totally normal. Totally fine. I don't see anything wrong with this, actually. 
<laughs> Christine's taking a heel turn on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just becomes CIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Mobutu says that's what we're going to do. Soviet advisors, get the hell out. Uh, Eastern Bloc embassies, close your doors. We don't want you anymore, please. And Lumumba is actually kind of, unf- you know, just, you, you hate to see it for the eye, but he's shocked. He goes, he goes to Mobutu. He like goes to his palace. Hey, come on, man. Can you change your mind? Like, what is this? We don't want to be working with these guys. This is bad, you know, like. Don't do this. What are you doing? And Mobutu basically says, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not changing my mind. Uh, the next morning when he's leaving there, Lumumba is attacked by soldiers who blame him for the atrocities from earlier. Like they're from that ethnic group, the Luba. Mm, and okay. they're like, fuck you. It's on site basically for you. And so he ends up in this in this scuffle that he he narrowly escapes from. But in the process, he leaves his briefcase behind and gets away. Uh, but his political opponents recover it and they publish the documents that they find there. Okay, what we got? So some of this shit is probably real. Some of this shit is <laughs> obviously like my evil plan, you know, sort of forgery shit. So he's got letters from Nkrumah, probably real. I mean, you know. Yeah. Appeals for support addressed to the Soviet Union and the People's Republic of China. I don't know. What do you think on that one? Real? Not real? I'd say Soviet's possible. I mean, we haven't fucking heard about China this whole episode, so that'd be a little surprising. I think that one's more like a lump in, like, just, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, China. Let's throw it in there. It sounds believable. Put in Cuba, too. Like, just, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Memorandum dated September 16th, declaring the presence of Soviet troops within one week. And, and granted, this happened, uh, this happened, I guess this is the morning of September 15th. So it's just like, hey, guys, one week till Soviet troops. <laughs> He's got like a countdown in his calendar yeah, <laughs> with like hearts around it. And my favorite, a letter dated September 15th from Lumumba to the provincial presidents, except for Toshomba, who's in rebellion, you know. And it's entitled Measures to be Applied During the First Stages of the Dictatorship. <laughs> a super normal thing to write down and have in your briefcase that you take everywhere with you, just in case you forget your evil plan. Yeah, and then send as letters to the heads of government of your various states. Like that is Biden sent insane. a letter to all the Democratic governors. My plan for... My evil plan. <laughs> Love, Brandon. It's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure which of those was made up and which ones weren't, but it's, it's some of them are pretty obvious, I think. <laughs> oh my God, that's so good. Steps towards dictatorship. Yeah, they, they, they put this out there. They're like, look at him. Look, he was a dictator. Step one, befriend the Soviet Union. Check. Like, I'm just picturing, like, what are the steps here? He's got, like, gold stars besides the one mm-hmm. that, he's, that he's done. So he gets away from that scuffle with it, but he's still not, like, hunted or anything right now. And this ends up being this kind of awkward situation from September through kind of through October. Lumumba keeps acting like he's still in charge. Like, he has not been told, you're suspended till till we put together the new college thing and until we get both sides kind of cooling down. Time out. He acts like he's not in timeout. He just, you know, keeps giving speeches and announcements and like, I'm the prime minister still. 
And eventually Mobutu ha- has enough of it and just puts him under house arrest. Jesus. Okay. This isn't going to end well. No, it doesn't. Uh, meanwhile, the CIA uh, pays Mobutu and his kind of cronies $250,000 in an effort to, you, you know, they can use this to kind of convince people slash bribe people into supporting Mobutu, like setting up mm, his own legislative government, like getting his own prime minister that will be loyal to him. They're getting him set up. Yeah. 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 So use that for, for, for doing that. But apparently when they go out to do all these bribes, legislators basically say, wait, sorry, we got, we got to have Lumumba. Like it's gotta be him. Nobody else makes sense. People won't think I'm a real legislator if I don't support him. You're saying after all this, the parliament still supports Lumumba? Yeah. I mean, enough of them. There's not, there's not enough of them in there that will be like, no, let's throw this guy out, the whole guy out. Like they might be like, okay, did some, some stuff this bad, but like they're not willing to just kick him completely to the curb. If he's not involved at all, like even if he's not in the cabinet, at least like maybe he's not the guy. But he's got to be involved. If he's not involved, he's got to like, be invited. <laughs> he can't be on house arrest. Yeah, because they 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 see him, and you know, to be fair, I probably haven't done a good enough job of kind of painting him uh, in this sort of sense of being uh, almost symbolic. When they were first breaking away, the Belgian king, King Baudouin, uh was like giving these sorts of sort of patronizing speeches, you know, like. And he's just like, you know, come, come back to us. If you ever, you know, if you ever run into any problems, just we'll be there to help. Like we know, you know, we're, we know what's good. We'll, we'll yeah, always I'm, help I'm you little child. definitely trusting that guy. You know, and, and that, yeah, Lumumba gets up there right afterward and kind of, you know, pisses off the international respectable community, but wins like, you know, respect in, in the cool people. Yeah. in his homeland and everything. If he's like, excuse me you guys did colonialism to us like you guys were brutal like do you <laughs> remember leopold II? like fuck you yeah yeah essentially like this was hard earned this was fought by blood quit acting magnanimous you know and so people you know to some extent still see him in that regard regardless of that you know he's fucking up sure but like he's gotta play a, like he can't just like kick this guy to the curb you know yeah so it doesn't really work trying to just buy off people to to um completely throw the whole Lumumba out. And so that $250,000 that they gave Mobutu and, and the, and the college boys, they just pocket that money. Just <laughs> okay. like, well, we'll save this for another day. What are you going to do? You're going to like tell everybody that I stole your money. Cause then you're going to have to tell them you gave me a bunch of money. Right. Yeah. So they just <laughs> like, you can't really come after me. See you later. Um, the CIA, also, at this point, was authorized to provide weapons, ammo, sabotage materials, and training to Mobutu's forces in case they ever had to fight Lumumba's forces. Now, uh, at this point, things get dicier. The UN, when they are, when their General Assembly meets, they accept Mobutu's new delegates instead of who Lumumba had picked. So Lumumba's like, okay, well, I got I to gotta regain power. Like, this shit is not working. No one's listening to me anymore. So November 27th, he escapes house arrest in a nine-car convoy with some of his allies and his family. Instead of going directly to, like, a safer zone, sort of a stronghold sort of situation, he kind of, on the way 
does some campaigning, like goes to these villages and campaigns for popular support and stuff. Is like, hey, I'm still here. I'm Lumumba. You know. <laughs> By the way, don't let them kick me out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which sort of significantly slows him down. And so on his journey, December 1st, well, Mobutu's troops catch up to him. And it's while he's like on this ferry trying to get across this place, right? And so he's got his family with him, whatever. He gets across his ferry. His The rest of his family isn't on this particular ferry and they catch up to him at that point. And so it's him and his like political homies on that side. His family's still on that side with Mobutu's troops. And he's like, I got to go back. And his friends are like, you can't go back. Like, if you go no. back, you are going to get arrested <sighs> and you're, you know, you very well may die. Real quick. I may have just missed this. How did he get out of house arrest? Snuck out. Just. Okay. Just fucking left. Yeah, Great. Booked it. <laughs> Love it. And he's like, yeah, I know. But that's like, that's my family. So he goes back. Wow. So he's real one for that. You know, he goes back, you know, facing certain arrest. And that, you know, that's indeed what happens. He's kept for more than a month in terrible conditions. He's barely fed, totally inhumane. Ugh. The Soviets are pleading on the international stage for his release. Uh, also, for, you know, to kind of play more hand than you really have for his restoration to power, uh, for the withdrawal <laughs> of the Belgians, um, the disarming I mean, of Mobutu's army. Ask. Yeah, I mean, they want it all. They're like, can we please be good <laughs> While here? we're here, while we're making requests, let's just keep an open mind. <laughs> what if things were nice? <laughs> what if we were nice to each other? Oh. The UN Security Council rejected the request eight to two. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> the two being like the Soviet Union and Cuba or something. And well, China. Cuba even have a, yeah, I was going to say Cuba's not on the security council. <laughs> that's for fucking sure. That's December 1st that he gets caught up to and everything and arrested and all that. Uh, January 13th. So he's been there for a while now. And soldiers in the camp that he's being held at start refusing to work because they're not being paid. Because the government's so in shambles. And Lumumba's presence there leads some of them to call for his release. Some of them say, no, he's dangerous, whatever. But he's a controversial kind of person to have around. You're already irritable soldiers that you're not paying. And so scared of this, Kasavubu and Mobutu uh, and other leaders start talking. You know, they start trying to be like, hey, come on, come on. Like, we're, we're going to pay you. We're going to give you raises even, you know, all that, talking them down. But they do decide in the process, we should probably get rid of Lumumba. He's like... He's fucking shit up. Like we, we, we do not need him here anymore. He's a problem. Let's send him to Katanga. The um, separatist, the, the secession oh, place. Oh, the mining one? Yeah. Well, not the mining state, but the original the one. The first one. Away. The first yeah. one. Let's, okay. Let's send him there. And one of the CIA paid off Congo government people. It's, it's actually the sources don't really say who, but somebody. in <laughs> Some officials. enterprising citizen. Tips off the station chief, Devlin, and says, hey, they're about to send Lumumba to Katanga. His sworn enemy, um, this is essentially a death sentence. And Devlin's like, thanks for letting me know. What does he do then? That's, I mean, he does not, he doesn't get in the he way. He doesn't do anything? Doesn't get in the oh, way. Okay. And okay, I mean, to be asshole. honest, you know, it would be weird if he got in the way. Uh, his <laughs> boss, Alan Dulles, friend of the show, had called it an urgent and prime objective for Lumumba to be killed, according to the 1975 Church Committee. This is the Jesus. Uh, House Committee that uncovered MKUltra, COINTELPRO, the Family Jewels, which is like an assassination program. Uh, they 
I mean, you know. This is their thing. Yeah, clearly the CIA wanted him dead, so it's not like they're just going to be like, well, no, wait. <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> Don't kill him. Uh, they're like, yeah, that's, you know, you do you. January 17th, Lumumba and two of his fellow party members who had also been captured in the flight are flown out to Elizabethsville in the breakaway state of Katanga. This is the Katangan capital, actually. To Shomba and his cronies. Uh, so that's the leader of Katanga and his guys. Also, the Belgian police commissioner of Katanga, a guy named Franz Verschor, and some Belgian mercenaries led by a guy named Julian Gott. Real rogues gallery. Yeah. Uh, terrible people, <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah. They beat them up mercilessly for hours. Mm. Toshomba was said to have been covered in Lumumba's blood by the time they were done. Oh my God. What the fuck? What is, what are you even doing here? Just, just torture hour, you know? They then drove them out to an isolated spot, uh, lined them up against a tree and shot them, executed them one at a time via firing squad. Jesus. Uh, Yeah. They then buried them in a shallow grave. And the following morning, they were scared that someone had seen them burying the bodies. So the Belgian, the Belgian guys dug them up, dismembered the corpses, and dissolved them Oof. in sulfuric acid, like Breaking oh Bad style. Oh my god! Yeah, that's disgusting. One of them, uh, involved in the exhumation, uh, took Lumumba's molars and a finger as a trophy. Oh my god! Ugh. So yeah, that's sort of how he meets his end. Rumors fly for weeks before the government on February 13th made up a story for its public announcement that uh, Lumumba had, you know, he'd been on a prison farm but had escaped a few days ago and was killed by enraged villagers. And, you know, we've only just now told you but this happened just a few days ago, even though it had been like a month. And yeah, um, people were pissed, not only in the Congo, but internationally people took the streets in yugoslavia and london and new york but the deed was done i mean Lumumba had been killed and definitely as we see there with the complicity with the direct aid of both belgium and the united states wow and the congo crisis just continues like it's it's bad and complicated this is um uh, che Guevara was involved later in the Simba yeah, rebellions yeah, right. and everything. Um, it really kind of radically complicates even further after this that we're, it's not really the, the thrust of the show, this episode, because the scope can just get kind of too wide. Our buddy Dag, the UN mm. uh, guy, ends up suspiciously dying in a plane crash um, after trying to negotiate. Uh, he was en route to negotiate a ceasefire in the rest of the Congo crisis afterward, like that year, 1961, when his plane goes down slash gets shot over uh, Rhodesia. And I mean, even Harry Truman, apparently the day after the crash said, uh, you know, he was on the point of getting something done when they killed him. Notice I said when they killed him, like emphasized <gasps> it to people he was talking to. Whoa. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of shit on that. That's like its own weird connection thing but they uh, from my readings of the various theories out there it looks like the most plausible one is it's this um jan von Rissigem guy who's like a, a belgian mercenary pilot uh who was working with katanga with the like buying stuff for the katanga air force and everything like he was connected there and they were working with uh 
like mining interests. They were like trying to keep it going for, you know, cause uh, I mean those, those companies or whatever were making money off of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's my big question slash potential takeaway from this story is like, this guy wasn't communist. He wasn't really, you know, he didn't try to nationalize mining or anything like that. He didn't do the typical things that make the CIA come busting down your door. Like it was, seems like it was just, he was getting in the way of mining conglomerates. Right. I mean, actually he was only potentially getting in the way of mining conglomerates. Like, okay. So what the fuck are we doing? Like he was, okay. I will give him some strikes of like, he was a little bit, and I don't know if this was him or it was just the situation, the fractious country that they found themselves in. But I mean, things weren't going well to start with. It's not like mm-hmm. he had just. Like he, he was set up to fail, like not intentionally, but like he had a bad hand dr- given to him. Yeah. You know, he was dealt a bad hand of like, hey, try to unite these bajillion ethnic groups and good fucking luck. Right. So you can see where it's like uh, even, I don't know, the, the mining corporation or whatever would be like, this guy, not good for us. He's not good at holding the country together, even, you know. Ignoring the fact that that's a pretty impossible job, especially if you've got like international actors actively trying to foil you at every step. Uh, <laughs> it's not really going to go well. Like what's the motivation? Well, I, I mean, I do think they had a fear, a, ju- a fairly justified fear of since it was part of his party's platform, nationalizing industries and stuff, state mm. state directed development, that that was uh, uh, an issue that could have come to the fore if he had succeeded if he, so it dude's a week in the government is falling apart <laughs> like yeah. why would you just let that happen naturally why do you have to go in there and like just make things even worse well i think at that point they're saying if this guy can't hold it together and do anything okay what's the advantage of letting it happen naturally versus piling on and getting your own chunk you know getting getting separate getting a separate deal maybe with the belgians quicker than just letting it deteriorate that's a good point of just like, Taking I see advantage. it's unstable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, let me go in there and get us set up to succeed. Ugh, I guess that's true. And then the U.S., I think it's a good example of them and kind of the Western world. And to some extent, the Belgians, I think mainly they were axe grinding of like, this should have been, this should still be ours sort of thing. There were elements of that. Um, but I think the U.S. for sure was still was very much doing the paranoid uh, and they even said this in internal memos and stuff we don't want another cuba yeah yeah you talk to the soviet union like you're dead yeah they're willing to i mean just murder this dude that's fucking high stakes for a conversation like come on and and what what did you again like we mentioned this earlier what do you expect them to do like everyone else was doing jack shit of saying like okay we'll send you troops but they're not actually going to help you with the civil war part like what where else is he going to turn to yeah it also kind of begs the question of kind of what was the from the un's perspective what was the desired alternative like they wanted this guy to hang out let his country fall disintegrate into tiny countries was that the plan like just, I, I guess. Because I mean, that's not even what happens. I mean, so the the Congo War, you know, drags on and everything. Congo Crisis. Uh, they're you know trying to negotiate a ceasefire. That guy gets shot out of the sky. When does it end? Like the sixties, seventies? The Congo Crisis fully. Uh, yeah, in the mid sixty five, actually. Jesus, it started like what 
1960, like, right, but, you know, it's, it's five years, but it's, it's the whole time. And kind of what ends up happening is Mobutu uh, ends up completely in charge. So he initially stepped in and said, we're going to, you know, do things my way for a while. You guys are in timeout, you know, and then right after that, he's like, okay, yeah, Lumumba's out of the way. We killed him. <laughs> I'll just go ahead while I'm here. So, no, he, uh, he, ga- he gave things back kind of to that uh, guy, Kasavubu. He said, okay. yeah, it's fine. You know, you, you can be present for a while, do things and whatever. And as the conflict dragged on, eventually uh, he steps in, I think, in 65 and kind of at the end of the conflict and says, sh- sh- no, like there's been more rebellions. There's been all this bullshit. You suck. I'm in charge. And just just sidelines that dude. Doesn't kill him, um, but just <laughs> takes power, uh, declares a state of emergency, gets absolute, you know control of things and says i'm gonna do this for five years and we're gonna see and then obviously five years rolls around it's like it's good it's it's me (laughs) i think it's going great so (laughs) and he goes on to rule the country and change his name to zaire does kind of this like anti-western sort of sort of act i mean my man was on cia payroll uh yeah (laughs) he you know says oh we're gonna remove all the colonial influences we're gonna do all this and and everything and he steals something like four to five billion dollars from the country in his time uh, as Whoa. its leader. Uh, it's a it's a lot. I'm sorry, four billion to fifteen billion something in between there. That's <laughs> that's, a that's lot. bigger that's than a four huge to five. Range. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of unknown shit. Uh, Jesus. Known for his extravagances such as shopping trips to Paris via the supersonic Concorde aircraft, according to Pierre Jansen, the ex-husband of. His daughter, Yaki, uh, he had no concern to the expensive gifts. Johnson married Yaki in a lavish ceremony that included three orchestras, a $65,000 wedding cake, a giant fireworks display. She wore a $70,000 wedding gown and a $3 million worth of jewels. Holy shit. Wrote a book describing Mobutu's daily routine, which included several daily bottles of wine, retainers flown in from overseas, and lavish meals. Holy crap. Okay, so he is just fucking embezzling like there's no tomorrow yeah yeah um, okay so yeah and that's that's that guy mobutu once he you know, th- that's what it leads to basically is this guy getting to just rip the place apart completely jesus lessons wise from this i feel like lumumba didn't play it seriously enough in terms of there are going to be people coming to get you even if you're i don't know this is kind of the discouraging part but even if you're doing just kind of like a moderate like anti-colonial anything like, yeah, uh, and that's that's something I think we still see in our world today. Of it, and it, it, there are plenty of projects out there that are broadly speaking against the Western hegemony or like the United States and its allies. You know, there's there's stuff that like, oh, we want to be separate from that. You know, our own sort of thing that aren't communist or socialist or whatever, but they are challenging the imperial order. And they still run into the same, you know, big, huge opposition like structures and things in in the media and everything else that you know drag them down i don't know it's something looking at lumumba's story of like the dude wasn't like lennon no not at all (laughs) but he's still getting you know dragged he's still getting you know attacked on all sides jesus yeah like it really just any toe out of line with these people it was also impressive just the nefarious like the lengths they'd go just bribe everybody around him just 
while they're planning to kill him but then like you know oh, oh you guys are gonna kill him that that's that's cool go ahead that's cool go right. for it yeah thanks <laughs> i've spent way too much money on this op so that's great i love that <laughs> just cross that off the list <laughs> done like oh thank god i didn't want to have to buy more toothpaste poison it's like when you do something and then you're like oh yeah i should add that to my list to cross it off like this <laughs> yes i do that way too much <laughs> It's also, uh, I th- I think it can be a pretty good story. You know, for us, maybe it's mm, a little bit more, I don't know, in some ways it's more shocking in the sense that the guy was not like, well, died in the wool red. You know, I mean, if he mm-hmm. was like really communist, he'd be like, well, I mean, bro. Well, yeah. You saw that coming, right? Come. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That yeah, that's why happen. I kept asking like, wait, what am I missing here? Like, why are we murdering this person? <laughs> so in that sense, it's sort of shocking, right? It's It's like. The dude was not really on the team and still gets completely murked. I think in that sense, it can be kind of eye-opening to, you know, those of your acquaintances and stuff that are more modern, more, you know, liberals and, you know, left liberals and stuff that aren't quite fully reformed and things. That's like, yeah, like this is what uh, you have to, you have to play kind of a delicate game because you can get easily get into the situation of them saying like, yeah, but we don't do that anymore of using this kind of an entryway of like with ready-made parallels of like, yeah, we did this. We are still doing similar things. Like we're still actively like doing active operations to discredit anybody who's crossing any sort of line as far as the American empire goes. And and as far as its allies and the big example when, as when we're recording, this is Israel, Palestine, anyone who's yeah has a bad line on that is you know an enemy of the empire and is therefore not someone who you shouldn't listen to but like someone who's basically an enemy like it's how it's yeah like that person is basically a terrorist yeah to me that's especially wild because you don't see that for example when other groups that are still designated as terrorist organizations by the united states which is more than you would think if you were to just kind of like if you were to say, go IRA, that would not draw as much heat to you, like as an enemy of American empire, as saying like, saying something as innocuous as from the river to the sea. Yeah. For some yeah. reason. Like that, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Culturally that we're, we're also at like, everything's empathy for, you know, the people who are shooting up schools and everything like that. It's all like, why are white men so lonely? You know, (laughs) the people are still doing this. Oh yeah. There's still articles about that shit all the time. (laughs) But meanwhile, you don't see people saying, let's have empathy for Palestine. Like that's not okay to have. Right. I don't know. It's like you were saying with the, uh, with the expanse or whatever, how it's very, it's very baby brain to just be like, Oh, they're just, (laughs) they did violence. They're bad. They did it because they're mean and they they want to blow things up and they, they want to see people die. Like, like really, we're not going to interrogate this anymore. Right. Is this what they? Is this what people think? Like when <laughs> they say, "Oh, you know, well, 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 little Johnny." Okay, he's just he's a bad man. Okay, he wants to see British heads explode because he doesn't like them. Okay, he thinks they're he doesn't <laughs> like their red coats, so he just. He has his men shoot at them, and he's just a bad man. And granted, George Washington, a bad man in a lot of ways. Oh, but to- totally, for totally. fighting the American <laughs> Revolution, I feel like most Americans wouldn't say that was a bad thing that he did. But he willingly took up violence 
rather than say, yeah. oh, let's do more negotiations or anything but this because it'll lead to, you know, people suffering. Like, people take up conflict and, and are sometimes seen as heroic for it. But if you're doing so against the American empire, terrible. Yeah. That's when it's inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be, you know, this founding father figure and, and, and deal with all these fractious forces in your country's coalition and whatever is fine. So long as you don't go talking to the Soviets when you do so. That's when we're going to step in. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, the level of paranoia there is pretty intense. I don't know, it, it makes sense in a way from that Cold War perspective of saying like, oh, we don't want them to take over an outpost. But it, to the extent that I'm saying that it makes sense from that perspective, it doesn't make sense from like the human perspective. Of, no, that perspective is a bad one. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I can see why they were assholes. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah, uh, you guys suck. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I would like to wrap up because, listeners, we've had so many fucking issues in this recording. Oh, my God. Yeah. We really toughed it out for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Dave and Dan were up to their old tricks. We had animal issues. We had internet issues. It was it was a thing. Yeah, I I think four out of my four of my pets were paid off by Dave and Dan today. <laughs> You're surrounded by traders. Yeah. Project project cat treats because i mean the dogs would eat cat treats too so they totally they wouldn't fucking know the difference project so. cat treats they funneled cat treats to my animals and mm-hmm. to make them go nuts i just i'm sure maybe danjin is probably going along with them but isn't getting paid because he didn't realize there was a reward or he pocketed it without doing the betrayal <laughs> yeah like those other guys did he got paid but didn't do anything he didn't he didn't cause any problems so. see he could be on your side yeah you have an ally and then Dipper is accidentally going with it, but he wasn't paid anything. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah, I think mine were paid off, too. I mean, yeah, there, there was a lot going on. But anyway, we did it. We made it. Yeah, next week, shooting that shit. Join us. We'll be there. All right, bye. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts. Or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.